Welcome to Dissident Disco. I'm your host, Lucy Aiken-Reed, and here I interview unschoolers and other paradigm shifters from across the globe. These are unedited and unfiltered conversations. Together, we'll be putting the disco into disconnecting from the system. <laughs> I'm delighted to welcome John C. to my channel. Welcome! <laughs> Thank you. I I've followed your work for around five years. Um, it has really helped me navigate um, my way through kind of the sense of how unknown the future is and um, dealing with my feelings around um, ecological collapse and some of the other sort of unknowns that we're facing. So I've drawn on your work for years. I've actually written about it in my green parent column. You featured in one of my columns. Um, and it has, yeah, just provided a lot of nourishment for me. So uh, you can imagine how surprised I was when I saw your name signed up to the last disco round. And I was having quite a fangirl moment, but I feel like I managed to operate still with some dignity. <laughs> but now I'm doing it oh god <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's a, an a, amazing privilege to have you and um, hopefully this is gonna kick start a bit of a series on my youtube channel where I just get fun people on and we just chew the fat a bit and see if any great things are said great so pleased, <laughs> so pleased to be here I'm just at the point where um, I've just had the epiphany that it's time for DB Ecology to move into the mainstream and that I'm to help that to happen via social media and podcasts. And so I'm constantly rehearsing uh, and glad for another opportunity. Oh, that's beautiful and very cool to hear. So for um, listeners and watchers that don't know, um, Deep Ecology is the movement that John um, helped found back in the 70s. Um, it's an ecological movement. Um, but for me, it differs from the others because it's quite holistic and really prioritizes kind of nature connection, relationship and love for the earth and provides a lot of tools to help you kind of move through the feelings and foster more connection rather than coming at it from other, you know, cause I've been involved in environmental activism for years, more than kind of coming at it from a sense of saviorism or kind of a burden. And I remember a beautiful quote that you shared when you were um, doing your work in the seventies for the rainforest and that was gnarly, right? You were arrested and yeah. And you said there came a point where you were not John Seed protecting the rainforest, but you became the rainforest protecting itself. Yes. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Having your words spoken back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me more about that? Well, I mean, it was... An experience and so it's hard to hard to know what to say except I guess that in later years I realized that um, you know deep ecology 
um, gives you a sense of a deeper identity that um, it's, it's not every cell in my body is descended in an unbroken chain for that stretches back four and a half billion years to the first cell of life on earth. And that as we learn through different uh, ceremonies and rituals, how to uh, embody that and how to actually authentically experience that um, uh, aspect of our identity, uh, then all kinds of um, insights emerge and, um, one of those is just the realization that uh, as a human, uh, I've spent 95% of the last 200 million years uh, within that forest. And it should therefore come as no big surprise that it's able to, uh, it's able to speak to me and to speak through me. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, I had my first um significant moment of really feeling um you know spoken to and really feeling um messages from the earth when I was um going up a mountain to try and stop a, a drilling rig and I was walking up there with no idea what I was going to do when I got to the top it was a four hour walk to the top of this conservation land where they were drilling for gold I had no idea what I was going to do when I got to the top but as I was walking, it was almost like the vibration of the mountain was speaking to me, just telling me, you'll know exactly what to do when you get there. And, mm. I, and I just felt so held. And then everything that occurred on the mountain then just felt like it was perfect. I could just trust the moment and just be in the moment and not be in my activist head about strategy or, you know, because actually we were really quite powerless. It felt like a very powerless situation but just feeling the message from the mountain put me at total ease and I could just trust everything that unfolded okay uh the question on everybody's lips I know is why unschooling tell us why you did disco and why you're unschooling is there any relationship between your work as a deep ecologist and unschooling or was it just a matter of need <laughs> um I, i'd say the latter I, or at least i haven't uh, i haven't asked myself that question before perhaps something more will come but i find myself uh, at this uh, point in my life in the amazing uh, you know uh, delicious situation of having a nine-year-old son and um he is one who doesn't take kindly to any kind of authority or um uh, direction and after struggling with that for a long time and then um during COVID moving to homeschooling which was definitely better than school but even homeschooling was just like a constant struggle and um then someone um you know sent me to your site and it just totally made sense and uh uh it's been such a relief there's been peace in the house ever since <laughs> mm, that's so amazing and i think would definitely echo a lot of people's journey that it was our children as kind of sovereign beings beings that led us on to a path that we almost didn't know existed but that in kind of um, yielding to that or surrendering in a way 
to that unknown you know you get led into this whole new world of what is possible I do want to, I I do want to keep you on your toes a bit though <laughs> please okay you can just freestyle do you think there's any part of your you know the last 50 years of your work as a deep ecologist that has in a way prepared you for being an unschooling dad hmm I mean, the thing that comes to me is uh, is it's around trust that um, it's like, um, <clears throat> I mean, one way of looking at deep ecology is to recognize that just as um, in the human body, you know, one emerges um, as a single cell that's fertilized and breaks into two and four, eight, 16, 32, and eventually some of those cells just begin to migrate in one direction because they're on their way to becoming the liver and other cells go in another direction because they're going to become neurons in a brain. And there's, um, they, they all just trust that they're doing what they need to be doing, that there's no need for, there's no need for, um, you know, decisions or, you know, it's just like, that's the nature of life is to do that. And so deep ecology recognizes that as well as being these skin encapsulated egos and, you know, living in the 21st century, we are also uh, like cells in the body of the earth and that we are part of the earth, that um, we, uh, we emerged from the earth as we emerged from our mother's body. And that um, if we can learn how to surrender to that aspect of ourselves, which is just this tiny little fragment of a much larger intelligence, that um, that intelligence can uh, inform us and we can trust that. So there's just something about really, um, you know, it's also like one of the things that I discovered at a certain point was that when I became confused and lost and and had uh, you know lost the sense of purpose and direction and wasn't sure what I was doing that I could do something like you know go into the forest find a, a, the right spot and bury myself in leaves and just imagine my roots sinking into the earth and remember that I am part of the earth that I have no independent existence and surrender and think something like, um, Mother, you know what I should be doing and um, I know that you'll inform me and I will, um, I will know that you're speaking to me through my enthusiasm so that uh, whatever I feel enthusiastic about, I will take that as being a message from you directing me and then I'll brush the leaves off and um, I'll be fine. Do you know, like I'll be able to go about whatever I need to do next. And so it, it's that element of trust in um, the fact that um, we're not alone, you know, that, that we're, we're part of this larger, uh, larger, exquisite intelligence that has created not only the human, but has created the human woven into this magnificent tapestry of 10 uh, million plus 
species co-evolving in uh, nearly eternal kind of magnificence and that um, to the extent that I can, uh, you know, trust that, I, I don't need to rely upon my own kind of, uh, um, you know, decisions. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I just felt like uh, it was just something very familiar about unschooling because of that, um, you know, that I just realised that I can trust uh, my son River much more than I can trust myself to know mm -hmm. what it is that he's going to need in his life and that um, so uh, the burden is off my shoulders. That's so beautiful. I can feel myself like put at ease as you're speaking, like another little wave of like, you know, just like rest in the process and and continuing to trust. I feel my body like just, oh, just relaxing a little bit more into the Sunday morning. <laughs> and a, a couple of things you mentioned, and one is the um the intuition that led you into the forest to bury yourselves yourself in leaves um is an intuition that is available to all of us you know we live in such an information dense era where you know you open up your phone and it's like oh do this do that do this think about this process this do this but trust the process but also do this and also do that <laughs> and it can be quite overwhelming whereas you know, we can just tune into ourselves and be given the medicine that we need for that very moment. And for you, it was, yeah, burying yourself in leaves. And um, that's my dog. <laughs> my dog loves to stand outside. She only does it when I'm on Zoom. She just stands <laughs> outside the door and barks. Just like I want to be involved in this. This is an exciting conversation. <laughs> um, you know, but we can when we're feeling maybe overwhelmed by the duty of parenting and the duty of you know being in charge of our children's education and all of the info. Like, think about this. Think about this. You know, we all have an instinct that we can kind of tune into and and then just respond to and be like this is just the one thing I need to do this is this is it I just need to go and lay in the garden I just need to bury my nose in moss or stare at the clouds or look at the ocean you know there's um something within us that actually not knows what to do you know and well it's, guess... it's in the same way that um the child knew what to do, learning how to speak and learning how to walk and learning, you know, I mean, most children have no difficulty whatsoever with these things. And, um, you know, perhaps if if I had been trusted when I was a child to be able to continue in that way that, you know, not needing, um, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, I don't need no education. I don't need no thought control, you know. And uh, uh, then um, it would be easier for me to trust, uh, you know, to trust my son. Uh, but, yeah. um, uh, you know, in any case, it wasn't too hard. And uh, um, I'm really excited uh, to see the, the different things bubbling up and flowering out of him now that, uh, that he realises that he's in control, you know. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. And and that's the other thing is, you know, when you were speaking out loud, just then your prayer to the mother, you were saying, let me trust my enthusiasm. Let me trust, you know, that when my heart leaps at something, that's the goodest sign. <laughs> you know, that that can be an orientation. You know, when we're at sea and when we're kind of confused, like we can just every day wake up and choose to just trust at the leap of our heart and our enthusiasm. And that is basically unschooling in a nutshell, right? Is just creating a slow enough um, life, a, a spacious enough environment so that our kids can feel free to um follow the thread of their enthusiasm into the things you know that I think are going to be the intersection of their kind of innate genius and their joy you know I think that's where unschooling can take us it you know it sounds frivolous it's like oh just enthusiasm but to me the the end of the enthusiasm rope is our creative genius <laughs> So if we follow it, we actually get to the place where we are offering into the, you know, this web of interbeing. We're offering like that unique expression of ourselves that is so needed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've got another question about unschooling because I feel like you freestyled that quite excellently. <laughs> so I want to ask, um, it's a bit of a, a meta question and I want to just see that I can capture it and maybe you've thought about it and maybe you haven't but um, I've thought about it <laughs> so I'll I'll say where it comes from and it's just like I'm building it up as if it is a really big deal it's not even a, an amazing question but um, to me as we kind of like feel our way into this new era, into the Anthropocene. To me, it feels like unschooling is the perfectly designed learning environment for walking into the unknown, um, you know, for all the reasons kind of we've discussed. And I'd just love to hear you talk a little bit more about that. Like, what do you think, is there anything else perhaps that you feel unschooling or, you know, more radical learning environments or trustful parent-child dynamics offer the future for planet or people? Well, I mean, it's clear to me that the um, powers that be that are uh, responsible for the systems of education that exist have not got the slightest clue as to what kind of a future we're trying to prepare for. Nobody has got a clue. I haven't got a clue. And so um, to hand over your children into that system just because, you know, just because it's too hard to think of what else to do just mm -hmm. seems to be like a real failure of, you know, duty of care and responsibility and so on. And um, it is so unknown uh, that, 
you know, in, in a way, I just sort of feel like, um, okay, so so deep ecology, um, the experiential deep ecology workshops that I facilitate and that I teach uh, um, arose from a meeting of the philosophy of deep ecology, the ideas of deep ecology with the work of Joanna Macy, um, a, um, a, a, a Buddhist uh, teacher and a, a great a great soul um, who who taught me about the importance of trusting our feelings that uh, our feelings are what remains of a much more ancient intelligence that preceded cognition you know 99.99999% of our ancestors were intelligent enough to reach the age of reproducing themselves before they were consumed before we grew this big bulge over our nose and started to think our way through the world and so these feelings are you know any mammal that runs towards something wagging its tail when it should be running away as fast as it can doesn't leave its genes in the gene pool that in every generation what's selected for is exquisitely uh, intelligent feelings that guide one in the right direction, and so apart from my dog, <laughs> that's right. So, that so right? that um, you know brings us back to enthusiasm, which is uh, you know like a feeling that we can that we can trust. Um, and so, Arnie Ness, who coined the term deep ecology, explained that ecological ideas won't be enough to save us. What we need is ecological identity or ecological self. And it was through meeting Joanna Macy that she and I then began to uh, construct the uh, community therapies, the ceremonies and rituals whereby we could move into our ecological identity, where we could nourish our ecological identity. And... Um, Whoops, what was the question? <laughs> I love where it's going. The question was about the opportunities of, of unschooling in the Anthropocene. Like what unschooling kind of offers this unknown future? And okay, I can okay. So, so, so in, in the workshops, we um, use Joanna Macy's spiral of the work that reconnects. We start with gratitude. We move on to honouring our pain for the world. So this is really... Um, really honoring these feelings especially the feelings that are suppressed the rage and the terror and the grief and the horror about what's happening to us and we discover that when we create a safe container for these feelings that uh, we're not crushed we're not destroyed by these feelings that indeed a tremendous uh, empowerment is liberated because they've been pushing up with the energy of natural selection behind them trying to inform us about the world and we've been pushing back with our socialization and our conditioning and so on so that when we allow these feelings when we allow ourselves to hear these feelings from others and we allow ourselves to feel them there's a huge liberation and we experience that as empowerment and then we go on to celebrate the universe and we're in a position to celebrate the universe because this is not at denial this is not everything's going to be okay no we've just been through hell together of, of the, the the most um intense feelings of terror 
and rage that we've either experienced in ourselves or we've witnessed in others. And so then the celebration that bubbles up after that is utterly authentic and uh, no holds barred. And, you know, what I've come to realise is that when we are um, honest about just how dire our predicament is as humans and when we take on board the possibility that we may be the last generation after 4,000 million years of successful evolution, after surviving mass extinction after mass extinction, now the flame that has been passed from fin to paw and now into our trembling hands may be on the point of being extinguished. At that point, what is the, you know, what can you possibly do? How, how, how can one live at a time like that? And what comes to me is, well, first, it's not over till it's over. And so, of course, we continue to struggle in every way that we can to stop the mining on that mountain, to stop the destruction of that forest. And we must celebrate this exquisite universe that we've had the privilege to inhabit for 4,000 million years and whether we're able to pull it off and find a way through this next one or not, whatever, regardless, it'd be a churlish of us not to just give utter thanks for what a beautiful, beautiful thing it's been to have been here at all. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, what a privilege to be around at a time like this. So then looking at this little boy, you know, it's like, well, I just want him to celebrate. I don't want him to be preparing for an unknown future. I just want him to live to the full every moment of his sweet little life uh, because there's no telling, you know, whether there's any future at all. You know, imagine wasting all of your time preparing for a future that's not even going to exist when you could have been celebrating this universe and uh, and and, uh, and enjoying the deliciousness of it all. Anyway, so, you know, one of the things that it's liberated me to do is to just allow him to live in the present time, in this moment of his life, without any, either of us having to worry about what's going to happen next. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, John. I felt the celebration. Um, and it reminds me, you know, of that old kind of um, invitation to live every day as though it is your last, you know, and if that was true for your children, how would you want for them to spend their last day on earth? How you would not want them to be sitting at a desk studying something they couldn't care less about being punished and shamed for expressing themselves, <laughs> you know, um, that is the opposite probably of what you would actually wish for them to spend. I mean, phrasing it like that is a little bit morbid um, because obviously what we're facing is um, no certainty one way or the other. And it feels like what you sometimes have is too much certainty. I guess it's the human desire like our safety zone of wishing for not the knowns and wanting certainty so we have sort of a, the camp which is just march along everything is going to be the same some kind of technological advancement is going to stop us all from uh you know self-combusting and then on the other hand um you know just pure terror that we are definitely the last and you know there's a movement of people um that are in my circles who don't have children anymore. You know, they, they don't want to bring children onto the planet, 
planet earth because they're so worried and I guess so sure that it's a fixed track and I guess what I feel in the invitation of deep ecology is to continue to rest in the uncertainty and to allow that in that uncertainty there's also so much possibility you know possibility exists in the unknown um so to get as comfortable as I can in that feeling of not knowing and resist (laughs) that human desire to be like just cling to something for god's sake (laughs) um but you know that invitation serves me really well with my kids because so much of this territory is unprovable all I have you know there's a little bit of research as you know we went through on disco um there's a little bit of research but it's not kind of um scientifically um proper you know the numbers of people that were questioned as growing unschoolers were was too tiny to be um you know significant uh for actual research purposes um but all we really have is our own instinct on this and all we really have is how what we're doing day by day matches up to these other principles these other values that are our compass for all of life you know so for me unschooling rhymes with the compass of joy that I have you know and it rhymes with the compass of connection that I have you know but but that's all I have I've got no quantifiable certainty (laughs) so the practice over the last few years of existing in the unknown about what the Anthropocene looks like you know serves me so well in all of the areas where I'm having to be like I just got my intuition um you know my my roots in the earth and you know hope (laughs) hope and a prayer (laughs) um okay we we do have to draw to a little bit of a close oh I've got so many questions but some of these are very personal and meta I I want to actually hear your thoughts on things Okay, I'm not even going to go there. We'll have to have a part two, John. What do you reckon? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Um, I would really love that. Um, but just for my final question. I, I want to say that uh, how much, uh, uh, you know, like um, support that I've felt from your enthusiastic, uh, joyful approach to the whole thing, you know, like the disco thing. There wasn't so much the particular things that I learned, but just, you embodying all of that you know so uh yeah no uh, we can have as many of these as you like it's a great way to start sunday yeah it is isn't it it's so good um so the the active hope spiral that you mentioned beginning with gratitude and honoring our pain and seeing with new eyes um yeah i've been facilitating those over the last few years and um did a couple with the student strikers Um, you know, the school strike for climate. And um, I did one of those for Greenpeace who were holding a a camp. And, you know, it was extremely intense because they get really intense, the circles where you're telling the truth about your feelings. Um, and, And I could feel the Greenpeace facilitator's eyes like on me during the circle, like, does she have this? (laughs) 
you know, like, uh, what is she doing to our students? <laughs> you know, as I was just holding space for their feelings, but um, exactly as you described, like unfolded, they were able to be truthful. You know, they'd been going to school counselors and the school counselors were saying, is this really grief about your mother earth? Or, you know, are you having friend problems? And, you know, does your boyfriend, is he, is he not really committed to you? You know, like they would try and really trivialize these huge feelings. And, but what, as, as you're saying, what they're feeling is these huge, um, deep, honorable emotions, you know, and, and sure enough, holding that intense couple of hours, we came out the other end of it and everybody was lighter. Everybody felt seen. Everybody could allow those feelings to transmute and to flow into the deep love that they felt, you know, and we ended those circles um, singing and in, in joy and, and in deep connection with one another. Why did I tell that story? I can't remember. Um, but, oh, right, the, the last bit of the spiral. So once you've done all that deep, Mali truth telling you you kind of come through and then the last bit is going forth so I would love for you to finish this part one with John Seed um you know what your main mission is going forth for the time being well um I've just come through a you know a, a, how to say I'm, I'm 77 years old and I've come through a very um, my life hasn't become any more kind of uh, steady or, you know, uh, I, I, I found myself, I had a tumour behind my right eye and I spent several years um, with nothing on my mind other than staying alive. And if I hadn't had a little boy, I doubt that I would have bothered, you know, like it was just utterly insane, the whole thing. And on several occasions, I was at death's door and it was like call the relatives and so on. And somehow I, I made it through. And when I emerged on the other side and started to regain my strength, I discovered to my uh, amazement and joy that the, um, that the passions that I'd felt through most of my life, uh, you know, throwing myself at the beast to, uh, to protect nature was returning and that it had this very new kind of fresh kind of quality. I felt reborn and I felt so young in that, you know, all of the insights, which were just the things that I'd been believed and known and taught for 40 years, um, were just uh, bubbling up as if they were new. And um, as I say, I, I got this sense that it was time for deep ecology to move into the mainstream and that I was to use uh, podcasts and social media and so all of a sudden I became interested in Facebook I've got 5,000 Facebook friends and I'm exploring these uh, um, you know double-edged swords for sure you know horrible kind of technologies but um, um, so, you know to see if I can put them to the service of the earth and uh, uh, so my going forth is um, you know like I'm uh, you know, I'm off Broadway at the moment. I'm doing little podcasts on Sunday morning with Lucy, but I'm aiming for Joe Rogan, and um, uh, you know, like I'm 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 rehearsing for Broadway, and um, <laughs> yeah. So 
Um, meanwhile, I'm, I'm doing at least one or two weekends a month. I've stopped traveling around the world, which I did for decades, and I'm restricting myself to the east coast of Australia at the moment. But I sort of feel like Australia, DB College is bubbling up in a way that it hasn't before. My workshops are filling up with a waiting list and so on. And, uh, I, you know, plus I'm, I'm building a house here at the Narara Eco Village and I need to make a living. And so all of a sudden, you know, like I'm making a living run as a workshop facilitator and um, life is good. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, that's an example of um, the symbiotic relationship, right? That, you know, you can thrive while in service to life and to the earth. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been such a privilege and honor to spend this time with you. And yeah, I would love to do a part two with you sometime. That would be awesome. Yeah, for sure, Lucy. I'd love that too.